This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to episode nine of Pints and Politics UK. Back to the normal format this week after Royal Extravaganza and the really sad uh, Sarah Everard case. Um, you know, and I'm sure Adam will agree it was it was a tragic story. Yeah. And we recorded Adam just before just before it was actually confirmed that the remains of the body uh, that was found that we did discuss was Sarah Everard. So I did do a it bit of careful photo. editing around that, obvious for obvious reasons. Didn't want to. You know, yes, cause any offence, but uh, no, it was really sad, wasn't it? Just to just as a quick touch on last week, I mean, that whole case was was quite tragic, and and there was a vigil shortly after that that, that we're going to talk about actually in a bit more detail for the wrong reasons, but um, yeah, the whole the whole event itself was 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 quite tragic, and uh, again, I imagine just to echo the sentiments that I put on the on the description of our last podcast. Uh we have nothing we're wishing nothing but the best um for Sarah Everard's family during this difficult time. Well this week we're hoping to uh go on to more uh I don't know what the word is. I, I think uplifting's a stretch. But uplifting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll call that as we're gonna call that at a stretch. Uh, well we'll use it at a very loose term. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it is. The last week was quite tragic. I mean, we are going to slightly touch on what our big topic really does come off the back of the unfortunate, um, the horrible uh, Sarah Everard death. And what you would consider to be really quite touching that they had a vigil and many, many women from across the UK and some men as well, they all turned up to pay their respects. But... It then got embroiled in a controversy because the police turned up, police arrested several people. I know there were scenes around social media that were showing that women were uh, being taken away. Some peaceful-looking women were being were being manhandled by police officers. Quite ironically, the whole Sarah Everard uh, case revolved around the police officer who committed such a horrendous crime. So, again, the police didn't cover themselves in any kind of glory at that moment in time. But, and I, and I do say but because I am more on the side of the of the people at the vigil, people have argued, and I can see the point, that in the middle of a pandemic, where social distance is supposed to be still, where people are still supposed to be adhering to social distancing, the police are in a bit of a quandary as to what to do. Do they try and enforce the law, which is to be socially distant? Do they respect the vigil? and ignore the supposed law at the time. Or, and, and, and also, just to, just on a side note, there were a few people, a few men actually, that turned up at that vigil that did look like they were trying to cause some, some aggro. So as much as I don't think it was necessarily appropriate for the police to, to try and go to this vigil and, 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 um, and make several arrests, maybe they should have shown a bit more sensitivity, they were they were left in a bit of a difficult situation. I think it's fair to say it's a difficult one. Yeah, um, I think the main problem here is there's an obvious issue here that needs addressing, and at the same time, it's against the police who still have the task of trying to manage country under lockdown yeah so these two narratives that obviously i think what i can imagine a lot of the police supporters are saying is that they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't yep. um, yeah however at the same time um the right to protest should be there regardless yeah, yeah. um yeah. surely it's up to the individual's protesting to make those choices 
However, once again, you know, the police have a duty. Um, I feel like it's a bunch of extremely unfortunate events, unfortunate factors, extremely sad factors, and it's just built up to one very uh, poorly managed situation, I think, yeah. isn't it? Would That's agree, would agree. Yeah. yeah. I saw some clips of some men who turned up at this vigil and were seemingly antagonising certain situations in that group. And at that point, again, you just think, what pictures are we seeing? I know I saw the first pictures I saw were uh, were of a quite peaceful appearing lady being taken off, uh, being manhandled by certain police officers. And my initial reaction was, well, you couldn't get this more wrong if you tried. But upon seeing some of the other images of trouble being caused at the vigil, of men trying to antagonise or, or take advantage of what should have been a peaceful moment in a peaceful situation, it leaves me a bit, like you say, in the middle of a pandemic as well, that, that there's that confusion there, enough ambiguity to make me think maybe this isn't quite as black and white as I first thought. And, and, yeah. and so this festival. Now, I completely agree that, you know, people have the right to protest. And, you know, no matter what the COVID regulations are, because they're not yeah. permanent regulations, nope. um, there is an overarching right to freedom of expression. Yeah. And to quote from the BBC, which is enshrined in the Human Rights Act. Ooh. Now, now th this is brilliant. You've, you've set up a perfect yeah. link. Uh, I like what you're doing here. You're not yeah. as thick as you look. You're doing a good job. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. I've been <laughs> Not a thick boy anymore. We, we, but... are, we are on a podcast, and for those who are unaware, <laughs> you can't see Adam. Adam does look very well. I was just mocking in Oh, thanks, mate. He does, he you does. know what I'm saying? He's had a beard really? clip. He's had a beard clip. He's, he's clipped his beard, and Adam looked like Gandalf uh, before he had his beard clip. Johnny looks like Hagrid. So, I mean, Johnny needs a, a, a beard. Johnny looks like an egg that's been painted with PVA glue and rolled around him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay, fair enough. Yeah. going back to the very serious issue, which is yeah. the vigil, um, I think there is, um, I think the police, the Met, had a bad rep before and their actions against the vigil and managing public protest um, in line with code regulations was done poorly and I think that is what's led to this uproar um, maybe they could have done more obviously it's very difficult for us as non-met police yeah. officers not, we're not even public servants it's impossible for us to make a rational or even imagine the sort of um, you know the, the red tape that they have to cut through or the mm. you know the, the different things and there's obviously rules and laws that they have to adhere to. But at the same time, as outlined here, there is the fundamental right to protest regardless of COVID. And therefore, once again, it's, it's so many grey areas. However, I do personally believe the protest was right to go ahead. should have happened yep. um, because people wanted it. And you should not prevent people from being able to exercise that right. And... Yep. You know, they were wearing masks. They were outside. Yeah. Yes, they may have been crowded. However, you know, that was their choice at the end of the day as well. So it's 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 so many shades of grey. I don't think I can possibly sit here and. No, you're right. So many, uh, so many shades of grey, really. There, and um, I think you've touched on it a few times, really. The the overtly, really seem. Uh, for the transition which we're going to go on to you've said the right to freedom of speech is there in the human rights act uh, the european union human rights act i might add i think i believe is the uh, is the right to uh right to freedom of speech um i know i know the human i know the human rights fall under um fall under the european union don't they usually or traditionally or have done for many years now we're not in the european union now and well yes this that, is that yeah now this is the difficult thing. Yeah. The U so EU go, go on. No, go on. No, I was gonna say, well, the U EU HRC is the European Commission of Human Rights. Hmm. However, 
there are still human rights that fall under the United Nations. Yeah. So they still apply. Yeah. However, how oh they still apply. However, they are open to 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 changing. Let's just say I think or interpretation. Yes, uh, and that's one of the things I actually remember when when one of the things that Nigel Farage, big champion of Brexit always wanted to do was meddle with the European Union Human Rights Act. He wanted to change the meaning of, of certain things within that. And it seems now we are, not saying Nigel Farage needs to get to this, but now we have made a step towards altering certain fundamentals of that Human Rights Act. In Parliament um, this week, um, we have... I'm going, to, I'm going to do another edit. Uh, because you joined again, it says three people have joined. So we'll just, after, just on the one minute, I'm going to save it. And then we'll, we'll just, and then five minutes later, I'll have, I'll have saved it and we'll just carry on from there. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I forgot it did that, to be honest. Uh, where are we? Yeah. So the fundamental, so in Parliament this week, the British government basically passed a, a, a piece of, uh, a policy that, will change the power given to police officers in, well, in other words, in layman's terms, it will make the police officers and the law enforcers more powerful than they would have initially been. Now, we've talked about the right to protest a lot, and Adams continually mentioned this is a human right to have the freedom of expression, the right to protest. But under this new policy, police are going to be getting a little bit tougher. And this is a bit of the legalese uh, from this taken from a, a screenshot on Twitter um, that highlights it. Apparently you can have up to 10 years in prison for certain acts that are related to protests. And it could be considered to be against the law if a protest or if a disagreement causes serious annoyance or inconvenience in the view of that arresting officer. Now, people have made... Go on. I was just going to say, I think it's probably um, important to note that um, this bill, Mm. um, prior to the vigil in Clapham, uh, uh, Labour, the opposition, did actually support a lot of the bill, many elements of the bill. However especially after what had happened in the vigil and um, there's, they've really seen how there's significant leeway to stop protests on grounds, including noise and disruption to the public. Now, I think obviously that's what you've been highlighting, but I think that's very much the issue here that what do those things mean? Like it's yes. very now- much up to interpretation on the police's behalf, isn't it? That's, that's the worrying them. thing, because the, yeah. as you said, Labour were, I think, initially backing it, then abstaining. Yeah. And then yeah. in rec- in light of recent events with Sarah, the Sarah Everard case of the vigil, they then decided to go against this. Because like you said, serious annoyance is that to the officer, like many have led me to be- believe. That's what I've, I, I've, I've interpreted. Or is that to a large group of people? We don't know, and that that slight that ambiguity is slightly concerning. And now we imagine that a lot of Labour were going under the interpretation that I took that this is up to one officer or a, the or a few officers' interpretation of what they think is uh, troublesome, irritating, or something along those lines, or is it the interpretation of a large group of people that find some offence or some frustration with the acts of? Of, of a protesting group that, that that don't necessarily buy what the protesters are protesting about. Now, if it's the latter, I don't think that's too problematic. But if it's the former, then we're in a bit of an issue here because some people have called it almost police stating, uh, being a police state in many ways. What, what, what do you think about that? Do you think that's a bit far or do you think it comes under what people perceive the bill to actually mean? Thing is, I find it difficult to actually believe that, obviously, because I think it's important to know also that this bill hasn't actually finished being put through Parliament yet. Yeah, it's, it's survived two. It survived two votes, hasn't it? Two phases. However, before it's published, like 
one, you know, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of MPs on Twitter, etc., say this is that when their parts, um, well, pe- a lot of MPs have reservations about the parts, about pr- protest proposals, um, how, and they are expected to be changed as it passes through the Commons. So if, and I hope when it is changed, when it goes through the final part of the proposal, the bill will serve to protect the police and make policing easier. However, if these parts are not addressed appropriately, then I do believe that we're at risk of losing some of the more core democratic values of freedom of expression, protesting, etc. So, yeah, really, what we're saying is that it really depends on how the law, the law is enacted how the, what, what the law actually means, as we've just said, passed two voting, um, two attempts to vote it down, it's been passed through the first two stages, it's got one more to go, I believe. And again, like Adam said, it, it is, it's really about, or like you said, Adam, it's really about um, whether this is to, in place to help the police in difficult situations or whether it's to shut down the right for, for certain people to act um, in, in, in a in a way which would ordinarily be um, thought to be something that is their right to a freedom of expression or freedom of speech with regards to uh, campaigning or protesting in a peaceful way. That should always, always, always be uh, a fundamental right, I think. For, for yeah, anyone. I think this bill is in dire need of to be just clarified in a certain sections because it's obviously churned out a lot of debate and a lot of negative debate um, for it. Like, obviously, we're not saying that we don't want the police to not be able to do their jobs as easy. Of course, I want the police to be able to do what they do. Um, And obviously, I support any part of the bill that enables them to, you know, um, eradicate crime. But if it's putting the general public in a place where they can't do basic acts anymore without at risk of breaking laws then that's when it becomes issuous yeah and one of the things actually they were saying a little bit with this bill a little bit with the reaction to to the to the whole to the whole incident really is that there was more concern for protecting heritage and statues i mean one of the things actually that was brought up with this was the reaction or the um, the attacks towards the Winston Churchill statue and the attacks towards other statues that stood up across Britain. And this bill was seen as a protection of those. Now, I'm quite, I'm quite firm on the belief that some of those statues shouldn't have been up in the first place because they're slave trader statues. And what are they doing there? It's ridiculous. You know, it's just completely yeah. against anything to do with modern Britain. But I'm also against people mass people defacing the statues, smashing the statues down and carrying them through town centres and causing quite ugly scenes. I don't agree with that either. So I it, 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 I can see there being actually a point to protecting those, but the point was that it's more to do with protecting statues on us and protecting the women that have been the face of, the face of so much um, abuse for so long. It's been yeah. highlighted in plain sight for us. Yeah. And, 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 and bills like this have been criticised for seemingly showing more love and, and, and compassion for, for people who aren't alive with us anymore, people who have statues uh, built for them, as opposed to the very real, living, breathing female society within the United Kingdom. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think very much so. Like um, Just referring to the statue part of mm-hmm. Bill, um, about defacing statues and yeah. the tenure the, 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 I don't actually know what the punishment is. Is it a 10 year fine? A 10 year sentence? It, it, it's up to, up to. So it's going to be depending to. on the. the so it depends on the severity. Yeah. Right. Um, so I've always been on, of the opinion that um, statues of slave traders, say a statue of Winston Churchill, etc., if there's a general consensus where there's a clear divide between people who wish the statue to be up, permanently and between those who wish to have it gone permanently then i believe that you know we should have faith in the history books and do what we do with a lot of things that are starting to fall um victims of 
history or modern interpretation of history. Mm. Um, someone like Winston Churchill, who did face fascism head on, yeah. um, however, has questionable ties to yeah. apartheid, A little bit. to um, his attitude towards the, you know, towards India and Asian people, um, or India more specifically. That there are elements to his history, and obviously he's a product of his time, a product of a time that doesn't fit with today's time. And obviously I don't wish to downplay any accomplishment or the symbolic, you know, what he served for Great Britain during the Second World War. I'm not saying that any of that should go unnoticed. So I'd be happy enough to see a statue of Winston Churchill displayed in a museum or displayed in any sort of private public gallery for those yeah. who wish to learn about this figure of history to go there and yeah. to learn what they want. Yeah. However, if it's causing a lot of... Um, Animosity. I'm an, yeah, to <laughs> the... Don't try to say it too much. Yeah, I'm not going to try and say that. <laughs> <laughs> to half the population yeah. of Great Britain as it stands today in modern times, then... I do believe there's a duty to modernise as well. Yeah. I don't want to remove Winston Churchill's statue and bury it and forget about Winston Churchill. I just think maybe there's a more appropriate resting place yeah. for his mantle. No, no, that's a very fair... I mean, it, it, I, I agree. Because I don't want... Yeah. Also, Sorry, you, could, you could argue the same... Well, obviously, you know, I, I find it shocking. I didn't even realise how many slave traders are who have, have statues erected across the United Kingdom. I think that's yeah. that's yeah. quite eye-opening. But for me, even with the slave traders, I don't necessarily condone hacking down the statue, dragging it across the town, and then and, and getting rid of it. Yes, should the slave traders be up? Absolutely not. Um, but at the same time, and I, and I get I get I get the point that many people on the left were saying that you know we should have this up in the United Kingdom. I agree. Like we shouldn't. I don't. I think that's a flaw with, within our society that that even I haven't yeah. really thought about that too much. But yeah, exactly. we don't deal with it by, but for me, by causing a violent or 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 or, look, or appearing to be a, a violent way of of dealing with. It. I don't think that's the right way. I think you deal with it through. Now they will argue. Obviously, the governments in the past haven't been receptive to complaints to petitions that these statues yeah. go. That's a, that's a, that's another story to do with what government should be more responsive to, to the people that yeah. they serve. But at the same time, anarchism, being an anarchist, I just don't think it doesn't sit well with me. Not in this situation. Yeah. That, that seems like a fair point. Um, but it's easy for a couple of white guys on a podcast uh, about yeah. politics. Say yeah, that. No, it's fair. You know, no, uh, no, you know what, Adam, though, I, and just to sort of, cause I know, I know where you go and I agree with you. It is. We are looking at it from that perspective, but there's going to be a lot of people that aren't sure what to make of a group of people dragging a statue across a town. Now, yeah. if you don't know anything about that and you look at that incident without any prior knowledge, you're going to think those are hooligans. That's what yeah. you're going to think. Yeah. And so that's not getting the right I, message across. Yeah. Well, what I was going to continue to is that, yes, it's easy for us as white guys to say that this is making us uncomfortable watching this happening or whatever. Yeah, whatever narrative that's been thrown out there. No, I, I'm like I agree. A lot of these statues should be taken down. Um, the manner that they're taken down, you know, it's it's a difficult. Well, it's not really difficult. You know, I understand why people are angry, and I understand why people want these ripped down. And I do kind of understand the narrative of dragging it through a town centre and throwing it into the local dock that they used to ship the slaves from. It's very yeah. symbolic. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, surely do we have a duty as a modernised nation, as a modernised, educated, you know, community, society, to be a little bit more gracious in our methods or a little bit more, um, how can I put this? You know, Civilised. Civilised, I think. Or, 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 maybe I, I not, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. I don't want to say no. civilised. Because some of those people weren't, I think is the point. No, 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 because certainly, yo, know, being a slave trader is not really what I'd call a civilised. No, that, that's the point, yeah, as I said. It. I think 
the thing, the point um, I'm trying to make here is that um, we should be better people. And if that means removing this statue in a way that is going to be symbolic. Well, I don't know. I feel like I'm contradicting myself one sense that the other. I neither yeah. disagree nor agree with the way these issues were defaced, to be honest with you. Yeah, no. I mean, personally, it doesn't offend me. I don't think it offends no, you. I think that's I my just... issue. I just yeah. worry for, and I think I think about elderly people as well who haven't really been brought up to scratch with, with progressive modern culture and with certain things yeah, like that. To see that, enough. yeah, I don't know. my my grandparents were horrified when they heard about the Winston Churchill um, statue being defaced. Yeah, and rightly so because my great grandparents fought in the war. They saw Churchill yeah. let's say, as a national symbol, once again product of the generation. Yeah, that sort of example is easier to distinguish. You know, however, when it comes to slave traders, yes, the statue should be taken down. How it's taken down, though, that's where the debate starts. Yeah, and I mean, a debate yeah. I don't know enough about to make a rational comment. To be honest with you, it's for, it's for another podcast. Um, and, and again, it's it's hard for us as well uh, to say that because of our backgrounds, and it's quite different to yeah. to other people's yeah. backgrounds. But. Uh, yeah. But again, I suppose we could still have an opinion. It just might not be as educated um, as those. Exactly. Yeah. Um, other news, really, uh, sort of related to the Sarah Everard case. I mean, I, th- I found this baffling, actually, that there's a big clamber, as we talked on last week, for women um, who were, you know, who, who had experienced sexual assault or who who'd experienced 97%, wasn't it the figure, uh, some kind of sexual 18. harassment. Yeah. yeah. Well, between 18 and 20, wherever that survey was, still. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, so so the reaction, I think, by the government was to suggest that they deploy policemen outside who aren't wearing uniforms in the clubs and Into the clubs. public and the public spaces. You know, I think that's yeah, because there's nothing more creepy than having a guy watch you weirdly and follow you about, is there? Yeah, whether you're a bloke, a woman, or yeah, whatever, yeah. Or, you know, whatever you identify as, nobody likes to be followed by somebody. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're drunk in a I mean, nightclub or whatever. I mean, Adam, Adam, there's so many flaws, so many flaws to this thing. Yeah. Because Absolutely one, you're outside thousands. of a, you're not in a uniform, right? So what's to stop another random <clears throat> member of the public saying, oh, "I'm a police officer. Can you step aside, please, with me?" And it's not a police officer. Well, I suppose that's where the badge comes in, isn't it? The formal identity. Anyone could, anyone could use a badge, couldn't they? Let's be honest. Anyone could fake a badge, right? Adam, you're drunk in a club, right? And someone flashes a badge at you, you're not going to scrutinise that badge, are you? No, probably not. No. It's 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 a barbaric. It's it's a difficult one. I know what they're trying to do. They want to be proactive. That yeah. that's that, that the purpose of this is to be proactive. Oh, yeah, sure. Have sober policemen, you know, or police women, police, you know, just um they want to be in public spaces. They want to be unnoticed. Therefore, they could just take people off guard. But my argument is, why can't they be in uniform and doing the exact same job? Yeah. yeah. What's the difference? And also, Adam... People, people know that they're there yeah. and they can see them. Then surely that yeah. should make them feel safer. Yeah. Also, the whole Sarah Everard case was about a police officer who did this to a young woman. Exactly. And there's the other... It's like they keep on shooting themselves in the foot, isn't it? The irony is massive. You know, uh, I, yeah, I, I, it really is. I was shocked when I read it. I just thought, surely not. But yeah, it was true. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, on in coronavirus news as well, being a bit of a, a jolt to the UK vaccine re, um, rollout plan, it was going so well. Um, and now it's apparently... Like it's too well. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, supply is set to go very, very low by the 29th of March, so much so that the NHS have pleaded with the government to say, stop giving out, or or we've got to stop giving invitations for people to get vaccines because we might not have enough for April because we're running low now. Um, So currently, I think we've had 25 million receive the first vaccine. But news like this will probably prolong the period that those 25 million need for the second vaccine, which was already exactly. yeah. two or three times longer than the medical advice. Um, yeah. 
and and also it's going to prolong the time needed for the rest of the uh, population to have their first and you know, invariably their second. And to be honest, Adam, and I've you know I've been at work this week and everyone, you know, people last week when they were all, oh, the 21st of June is going to be this. I'm st- as I've said many times, I'm not convinced that this this seamless rollout is going to be so seamless. And this well, this is it takes us back to that whole argument we had about um the roadmap being far too ambitious. Yes. There was guaranteed guaranteed to be a hiccup. We did not know what that hiccup was going to be, but here it is. Yeah, staring us yeah. right in the face. We ran out of vaccines. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as. Yeah, uh, looking that way. When I say, yeah, and and people are saying, well, we've ordered X amount. Yes, we may have ordered eighty million vaccines or mm-hmm. how many it was. Yeah, but if you're using them quicker than they're being produced, you will eventually reach a surplus. Yeah. So. And- and it's worth saying as well, the European Union, who Britain have just left, are actually also in a very, very not so good situation because they're also struggling with the rollout. Um, because all no. in the European no. Union, the rollout, I think, is dictated to by the by the EU and not the countries. I think they're, they're sort of controlling it all like a puppet master, I suppose. And it's meant that some of the rollouts in certain countries have been quite slow. Uh, particularly compared to Britain, who did a different tactic, probably to be the top of the rollout anyway. But it's not been harmonious there either. And already now, the reports of a third wave in the autumn and the winter are coming into play because, quite frankly, it's unlikely, I think, that the whole of Europe's going to have everyone vaccinated and second vaccinated uh, for quite some time. So when everyone's unraveling their or, or well where britain is trying to un- unravel itself from the from the restrictions it was in it's all starting to look a little bit like like we said like like a third lockdown is becoming more inevitable and that just seems it, it i mean i convinced myself that that wouldn't happen but yeah it's not even we're, we're not even past the end of march and already it's becoming a bit more feasible that we're going to end up back in some kind of restrictions no, and that's that's entirely fair. Like, uh, honestly, this none of this surprises me, Johnny. I think anyone who wanted to listen to our earlier podcast, I can't remember what episode it was. Oh, we said it. Yeah, um, and it's just, yeah, yeah. It doesn't surprise me once again. Yeah, the Conservative government have either overdone it or underdone it. And they've either undercooked it or... And I'm, go- I'm going to sympathise a bit with Boris Johnson here because many of his cabinet wanted restrictions done, everyone to be out of lockdown completely, all restrictions to be done by the end of April, not by the end of near the end of June. So he's even said no to those people and, and maybe... Yeah. So he's taking it from all angles, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it, I don't envy his position at the moment, I must say. As much as I have my own opinion of him and you do too, I, uh, I wouldn't envy his position. I'll I would that. not want to be him. No, um, yeah, it's one of those. Um, I know that the schools are back now. That's been the major talking point of March. Uh, that's good for parents who are working. It's good for schools, for the mental health. It's bad for me because when I come back from off the train, I get lots of teenage people I have to meander past. And I remember well, <laughs> two two days ago, there were some teenage girls, probably, I don't know, 12, 13-year-olds, and they're there in a group. And she goes, are you a teacher? She shouts. And I said, no, I'm a marketer. And she went, what's, what's one of them? And I thought, oh, no, I'm not, <laughs> not continuing this. I was like, no, bye-bye. <laughs> you know what? I, I was sitting at my desk this morning. I had an early start. I started yeah. work at half past six. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there minding my own business. And at half past eight, the school bus went past. Yeah. And a little bit of poo came out because I thought, oh, my God, I need to get the bus. That split, <laughs> second, that split second, I thought I was 15 again. And oh. that I needed to run because it's the same bus that's been running since I started school. Really? So, oh, yeah, wow. it's the same one, still going. So, oh, my God. On a kind of serious level, though, I am happy that kids are back in a way. I, I yeah, don't know what that's going to do to the viruses. The, the cases could spiral I'm gonna, without the staggered start for many going all back at once. We don't know the, the results of this, but next month we might see the R rate. Excuse me. We might see the R rates jumped above one. Or is that one? Now... I don't know about that, but as far as the mental health side is concerned, it, it can't have been doing them any good. And also the parents. Lots of parents still have to go into work. What do they do with the kids at home? They have to get childminders. What happens if they, you know, if, if none of the families can look after them? And it's very stressful, I think. And a lot of people, when they were saying we need to keep kids off school, probably weren't considering that. 
um, you know, at the time. Um, they weren't, they weren't on both sides. Yeah, there's a domino effect, isn't there? There's always a domino effect. And, it, and that's the sad thing with this virus, really, because the government got criticised and, and, and lots of abuse because they were trying to send kids back to school. And then, so lots of people were saying, you're going to, you're killing lots of people. But then when they kick, when you keep them off, you are putting a lot of families under strain to find people to look after the kids and you're making the kids' mental health also also increase dramatically. So it's really hard, I think. And lots of them, like you say, Adam, it, you go down one path, you get a lot of abuse. You go down the other path, you get a lot of abuse. It's, and there's always a fork in the road. And there's there always, is. Yeah, yeah. There is. Um, yeah, so that that's that really. And uh, and I'm, we're going to blend this one into one really. The, the British culture feature really, ties in with the debate and it's what we've been talking about freedom of freedom of expression freedom of speech whatever whatever way you want to call it um essentially when we say that and that is our british culture feature kind of definition when we say freedom of speech what do we mean what 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 is that so why is that so important what do we mean by that because it's something that resonates with probably anyone in a democratically run country and people probably don't know why it's so important, but I can tell you now, having lived for seven months in an authoritarian country and having experienced life in Asia where um, it, life's vastly different, uh, as I say, in China, in Shenzhen, that luxury of freedom of speech is not something that's shared. So, first of all, Adam, how would you summarise it? And from that point, why is it so important? So freedom of speech has always been seen as one of the pillars that separates democracies and like you said authoritarian regimes communist regimes etc um and freedom of speech is an individual or a community's right to express ideas opinions feelings views on any subject matter um that you know that can from any part of their daily lives. Yeah. So, um, like I said, um, in a democracy, this is a very defining part of the democracy because people can vote, they can express yeah. their opinions. You know, a freedom of speech and expression is closely tied to voting. Um, in obviously, in communist authoritarian regimes, voting isn't common, or if no. it is, it's very limited to one or one or two at most, but it's normally just one. One or one. <laughs> one or one. Um, and there's also the things of um, where speaking out against government regime, yeah. political leaders, or methods of teaching, you know, anything from even the sort of food or drink you want to buy or consume, um, all that can be taken away from you with your freedom of speech and can be dictated to you by said governing body. And you're absolutely spot on because I can verify for this. Uh, when I was in China, a very different kind of country. And to be honest, and I will say this now, there are many things about China that are better than the United Kingdom. I will say that now um, yeah. from what I experienced. Oh, um, so they're doing something right. Booming economy, lots of money put into public facilities, um lots and lots of jobs for, for 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 the chinese and for and for foreigners to the country um but what obviously one thing you got to bear in mind when you live over there is is that it is not a democracy and it is it is a, it is authoritarian rule i think they call them well communist country although the, there the, are the demo, well they they're labeled as the democratic republic of china aren't they yeah, uh, the com they 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 call themselves a communist country. They call themselves a communist country. Now, I know there are they're certainly not capitalist. I'll say that much. They're not a capitalist country. There's enough differences you can tell that they are not capitalist. Um, whether they are fully communist is another story. They aren't essentially Sorry. because you're right. Sorry, I've got this completely wrong. It's the People's Republic of China, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the so communist communist party uh, CCP Chinese Communist Party. And what they have is um, something that's, uh, you know, it, even though it's communist by name, it's not quite communist completely by nature. I don't even know if full communism can truly exist. Karl Marx might disagree, but it, it, it becomes very difficult to implement, particularly when you've got a booming economy. Uh, Adam, as you know, 
to to implement a full communist regime, you shouldn't we couldn't really have an economy that booming. There has to be an element of capitalism within the communism to a There's point. Obviously, freedom of people can make businesses. There yeah. are big corporations coming out of China. You know, um, there are plenty of jobs. People earning decent wages. Um, so obviously, the economy is doing well. However, it's not without its issues because you know there's plenty there's plenty of choice for students young people in china to yeah. move to the uk to the americas across europe yeah. but there's still freedom of movement yes um you know so the, the fundamentals are there i suppose yeah, they are but what? obviously you only need to spend 10 minutes on the news to hear about all kinds of things from you know the, the big one recently is Muslim conversion camps, um, which they deny exist. There's yeah. all kinds of cover-up concerning the virus itself, COVID. Yeah. yeah. All kinds. So, you know, you, you could spend hours. I would say, yeah. Uh, just in case I end up going back at any point, I would say that all countries aren't without their flaws. Um, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah of and, course. Uh, and, and I would say, and, and on an honest level, um, the CCP do get a lot of, criticism for human rights violations and, and, and other things as well that maybe aren't present in other countries but what I would say is that and I always remember this one of the uh, a story that someone told me from China uh, he's his mother and parents they worked in teaching in public sector and the government said in five years we'll double your pay you will have you'll be on double the pay that you're on now in five years time in five years time they're on double the pay that they're on now that's shows that even though they're very different and they don't are they are entitled to freedom of expression and so on like we maybe maybe do have in the uk ordinarily when the chinese communist party do promise things to their public sector workers they deliver and that's what i've been told by quite a few people who have worked in the public sector of china they are to their word for people who work yeah. under their leash yeah and i'm sure that, that there's no that you know i have no doubt that there's many examples of how you know they look after the people and so forth yeah, yeah. um and obviously one point i definitely um because there was obviously the articles about how yeah. wuhan is back to normal it's no longer socially distanced and no covid rules in place yeah um and it comes to the point and it's very interesting because it kind of coincides with everything we spoke to we spoke about throughout this podcast is that um non-democratic values in a time such as COVID mm. is far more beneficial for a country yeah. than ones who are used to their freedoms. And yeah. you can completely see that in this country and you can see it across America, the biggest, greatest democracy in the world. Well, that's highly debated these days, especially with India, etc. Yeah. However, um, one of the biggest democracies in the world yeah. where you have, where the freedom and of speech and you know freedom of expression you can yeah. argue sometimes gets out of hands yeah and obviously conspiracy theories are yeah. a prime example of this anti-vaxxers anti-maxxers uh, mask wearers anti-maxxers anti-maxxers we anti apologize to any maxxers out there yeah yeah um... anti-vaxxers <laughs> anti-mask wearers um you know just all kinds of bill gates conspiracy yeah, this is where freedom of expression gets out of hand, I suppose, yeah. because it causes yeah. harm. Yeah, but that, that's actively causing yeah. harm. Yeah, uh, where I should imagine that those, if it does happen in China, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in China yeah. or the other, okay, it's quashed and that sort of narrative doesn't really, yeah, ripped the same way. I, I mean, I'm forgetting about you know, with each passing week that I'm in my new job and with other stuff that I'm doing, I do forget about my. And I will say, amazing time in China and amazing time in Asia. And we will, I think we can, we should dedicate a full section to that, really. Um, that's not just related around this, tailored to this. But um, you're, no, you're absolutely right with, with regards to freedom of expression there. And the, and the kind of debate that we're running with here, just to tie that in, is uh, the, the, the big debate kind of here, which we've already alluded to a little bit, is that, well, first of all, is. Um, is the UK in danger of ever losing its freedom of speech uh, in a Brexit Britain state? Now, 
we've touched, you touched on both a bit of that actually there. Um, the pros and cons of actually having freedom of speech, because there are some cons. Um, what I find really interesting, we talked about the bill and we talked about the possible ramifications of that bill to an extent. But then you've also got the other side. Now, I don't know if you've seen this with the BBC having axed the MASH report, which was like a left-wing satire comedy show. Uh, one of the new people, one of the people who axed that said at the time that it was a woke comedy and it was um, it was too left-wing, as well as, uh, to be honest, I think the overriding factor was poor, poor number of, um, of viewers, because that's what it always is. Uh, but... The fact that he came out and said that was quite, I thought, quite eye-opening. And then there were lots of things on Twitter trending like Mock the Week and Have I Got News For You? Because have, have I Got News For You is quite left-leaning as well, I think. But I think it's brilliant. I think it's really funny. Um, I think Mock the Week is pretty there as well, to be honest with you. And also quite funny. It's worth noting, you know, they are... Yeah, they're very good. They're very very good. Yeah. yeah. So what you've got there is... The way I say is it is it under threat freedom of speech with Brexit Britain because it the Brexit the Brexit's formed this government this government have taken Britain out of the EU this government who's in charge have are particularly right leaning but they're also a bit more power hungry to say than than the David Cameron Conservatives were because they have a different idea about how things should be done um, particularly obviously taking Britain out of the European Union to start a pastures new. Um, and, and to do their own kind of thing. Um, with the BBC guy, who's also friend of Conservative, obviously, with his with his with his with his views, which are, he, I think he described as more on the right than the left, we are seeing woke comedies being attacked a little bit. And then on the other side, you've got people screaming cancel culture every time they are pulled up uh, for saying something slightly iffy. Um, Maybe throwing Brexit Britain in there was just a bit clickbaity because, you know, that we, you know, just to generate a bit more. But I, I can't help but think that risks, to, a, to an extent, trying to sound or, or, or pipe down the left side of politics, as we've seen with the comedies, as we've seen with potentially with this bill, um, and maybe give it a bit more life. To those on the right who are screaming cancel culture every time they get pulled up on something that they've said, it's very difficult. Like, obviously, I think it is a bit clickbaity this topic of you know, <laughs> using freedom of speech in Britain. I think that is very unlikely. We are a very much established democracy mm. in this country. We are yeah. very, you know, people are still protesting, people are educated in a degree where they're open to any interpretation of everything. They have that freedom to read all kinds. And honestly, I think the cancel culture narrative and the, you know, the, these comedies, these left-wing comedies that some people get offended by, they generate so much money for yeah. the, the, the economy, which yeah. is then <laughs> something that a right-wing government would capitalize on and, yeah. I, I, I don't really see this being an issue. No. I feel like this is just another phase of um, the, the, the evolution of politics. Yeah. I, yeah. Th I feel like we're at a point here now where things like acceptance of new different genders, sexualities, the LGBTQ yeah. community, um, all ideas that have been quashed 40 years ago. That's true. Or deemed socially unacceptable, taboo, um, are, are widely accepted in the community. Mm. And I feel like what you're getting out of this with anything new becomes extreme. Yeah. And I think with anything old that lingers about also appears extreme when that once was normal. Yeah. So I honestly believe this is just a turbulent part of politics. I think it is just an argument going on now. And I, and I think it will settle in a uh, in Brexit Britain. Uh, that's something it might take a couple of decades, but it will settle because young people now will get older then. And trust me, there'll be something new where the left yeah. now might be nearing the centre where something new will come in and become mainstream. I honestly yeah. don't see a you threat. Right. But then again, COVID, anything can happen. <laughs> no, and, and I'll tell you what, I think it brings out 
it's quite funny the irony from both groups uh, particularly the right i think anyone who screams cancel culture i always think and i, I say this all the time so i might have said this on the podcast so apologies if i have if you ever say i have the right to freedom of speech in a debate i think you've lost the debate because I always think if you say that, you know what you've said is about to cross the line or you can't think of another way to phrase it or you can't think of another way to go with it. And I think, yes, you are losing this debate, probably. Or, or, and, or you don't like what the other person is saying to you. Yeah, <laughs> so. all that, all that, yeah. And this ties in, This is I'm thinking more on the right now, and this ties in with cancel culture as well, because if you just scream cancel culture at everything, right, I think in nine, in nine out of 10 cases, I think cancel culture is probably because the guy who's getting cancelled or the girl who's getting cancelled or the lady who's getting cancelled, sorry, whoever's getting cancelled, I think it's because they've been a bit of a muppet, to be honest. Nine times out of 10, that's probably why they've been cancelled. Yes, there's going to be a once every now and again where mm, maybe that's going a bit too far. Maybe yeah. we can forgive them because there always is in any situation like this. But nine times out of 10, just like with Piers Morgan, you know, yeah, the slap, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. it's just because you've been a bit of a muppet, and he keeps going on about how he's been cancelled. It says, "Yeah, but Piers, you know, look at this and look at what the dangerous narrative that you were trying to try to push." I don't care how you feel about Meghan Markle, but don't deny people's right or don't deny how people are feeling. That's just dangerous. You legitimize people's feelings, and I think the same. You're completely right in what you're saying. I think the same applies to the extreme left, as you oh, call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So. I think here, especially those those or those who are accused of council culture, yeah. that sort of caliber of person or or mindset of yeah. person that they're appealing to yeah. the right yeah. to council culture is that sometimes yeah. they are guilty of not taking the time to actually come to understand the narrative yeah. that they are that, yeah. you know arguing against. Yeah. Um, haven't taken the time to actually understand the context of where this narrative's come from, the yeah. history of the narrative, yeah. or even taking the appropriate measures or the time to try and explain it from a different yeah. point of view. Yeah. And then if they're still in absolute denial and it's still a ridiculous view they have, then I suppose that's the time you should probably turn around and walk away because they will never really understand. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny, though? It's, because it's the thing that brings out the worst in both sides because the right will go, oh, we're being cancelled, we need freedom of speech, we deserve the right to freedom of speech. And then when someone's on the left says something, they'll go, oh, here they go, you know, saying this nonsense, this is just isn't right, it's the lefty lunatics gone mad. And then on the left, the left will then bash anyone on the right for having more extreme views, rightly so in my opinion, usually because I would as well. Any views at all. Yes, so, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then they will say, under their own points, where they're making some quite radical arguments that I that I struggle to, you know, trying to balance out both sides, I struggle to go with, they will then say, oh, well, I've got the right to, to voice my opinion. I've got the right to freedom of speech. And again, it's on both sides, like you say, at this point, and I consider myself a centre-left kind of guy, and then you do too, um, it's at this point where I, I like my sort of centre-grounded political stance on things because it means I can, even though I'm more left-leaning, I can look at the other side and think, okay, I can compromise here and I can think about that there instead of going, no, 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 because that yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, agree. doesn't work. Uh, just to touch on America briefly uh, with, with Biden and with uh, with uh, the whole thing in, in Joe Biden, as Adam as Adam falls onto his, uh, he's literally on his bed, actually. So, um, you know, this he's had a, a long, hard day. A, I'm a, answering my 14th hour, Johnny. Come on. 14th, yes, 14th hour. I thought you were going to say your 14th year. You're entering your 14th year a bit ago when you thought the school bus turned, didn't you? Um, well, yeah, uh, but but with Joe Biden, Adam, uh, we've we didn't really touch on him too much last week, and he's hoping, almost Boris Johnson esque, with his with his hope that Independence Day can mark the end of the vaccine program for America, the end of COVID. Again, it does seem a little bit ambitious, but. I tell you what has been pleasing with America. The American dream. The American dream, man. American dream. Yeah, American dream. <laughs> of Mice and Men, the sequel. We, we Lenny and... Oh, can't say... Sorry, spoilers. Lenny doesn't make it to the sequel. But uh, who is it? Who's the other one? Lenny George. and... Uh, George. No. George. George and Lenny. Yeah, George yeah. is still there and he just wants to be COVID-free. Um, and I'm sure Americans do as well. I mean... They were, the thing the thing I find a bit baffling with the July the 4th one, it's not too long after uh, 
after the Britain expectancy, but also America's been struggling with the rollout because of the uh, wild weather across many states and, and that's affected their own rollout. And they've also got to vaccinate a lot more people than Britain do. So again, it's almost like... Significant amounts more than we do. Yeah, but they, they chose July the 4th because it's a significant day, just like Boris Johnson chose June, June the 21st because England playing the Euros around that point as well or are scheduled to play England in the football team. So again, it's almost like picking a day, hoping a symbolic day and then hoping that they can get away with um, get away with something there or, or at least if they manage to do it by that day, they come out of it the better uh, for it. Um, that does seem a bit ambitious, but the 1.9 trillion relief bill was widely applauded. We didn't talk about this last week because it was the Meghan Markle episode and of course the really sad um, sort of story with uh, Sarah Everard but the 1.9 trillion bill it's really really good to see this because a lot of that is going to low-income families uh, as, well not all but, but a significant amount of that's going to low-income families who are in desperate need of yeah it indicates uh, support to low-income families I'd say yeah, I want to give no, them credit before it's uh, happened. <laughs> no, no, it does. It indicates support for that. And, uh, you know, it was it's a heck of a lot of money. One point nine trillion it, it is a heck of a lot of money. I think it it is reflective it's of a ridiculous. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, how many zeros is that? It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I, no, off the top of my head, I'd have to. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I <laughs> don't. It's, it's a lot of zeros. It's a thousand uh, billions, isn't it? A trillion. Yep. Yep. So that's many zeros. <laughs> yes yeah it's crazy and and it's and, and but it just goes to show that uh desperate times call for desperate measures and to be fair to joe biden i think since taking over from trump that is what he's he's done in, in many ways one of his one of the things that got him elected was his apparent stableness in dealing with a pandemic and pretend and actually acknowledging that it's there and this bill shows that He's acknowledging very much so that it's there with uh, such an expenditure going across the board. Uh, and I touch on the low-income families because they'll be the ones who need it the most, um, without doubt. Uh, perhaps some of those felt a bit lost under the previous administration, um, but under this administration, uh, they will be given um, some relief. Uh, Which is good to see, finally, after a turbulent four years, at least the American people are getting a bit of relief from a president who is caring <laughs> yes well he's caring or, or, but, or um, at least appears to be caring let's go yes let's, let's, let's do that yeah not caring towards vladimir putin though uh no. not too happy with him is he no he's called him a murderer he said he'll pay for his crimes in quite a public demonstration against or public attack sorry against the russian president and I mean, well, it's not surprising that Joe Biden doesn't like Vladimir Putin. Donald Trump pretended to like Vladimir Putin. Maybe he didn't pretend. Maybe they did get on just fine. But um, yeah, I mean, we we talked about this a bit before, actually, with the with the Syrian airstrike that he did not too long ago. Now he's talking up. He's talking big boy. You know, I, I I'll get you back for your crimes and waiting for Vladimir Putin's inevitable response. Um, almost in line with previous presidents and their rhetoric. I mean, Donald Trump never, to be fair to him, uh, even though it was a bit strange to see him cozying up with, around the table with Putin, there was never really the threat of any significant war or attack because they were quite they were quite civil with each other. Straight. I mean, that was one, I suppose, pro for the rest of the world with Donald Trump, is that with all these dictators and with all these world leaders who you thought might... Uh, rub Donald Trump up the wrong way. It was quite the opposite. He got on well with all of them. Might say a lot about the man, but um, it meant that the majority of us didn't have any fear of any violence or war. And already into the Biden administration, a bit more uh, animosity with some of these people. Yeah, but my uh, my issue with that narrative of is that if Trump was cozying up to him and yeah. doing everything he wanted to do with Putin and was getting whatever. He wanted from Putin appearing all that stuff. Then what was he hiding? You know, what 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 is the issue? What was the game? What was the deal? Why were they friends? Because Putin's a very clever man and there's no there's no Putin. What about about his what about Putin's friend? (laughs) Which one? Donald. (laughs) Oh oh, him. I don't even (laughs) he doesn't know his left to his right. It's all right. Um but uh, honestly, I, I obviously, you know. Trump is Trump, and that's all that needs to be said there. But um, <laughs> I, th- I know I'm, I think Biden's quite rightly uh, going for it. And I think I don't know how true or anything this is, but it, when it comes to Biden's motivations, 
But obviously there was that story last year where um, American troops had bounties on their heads. That's from very true. Russian soldiers and anyone who knows Biden's history, he did lose his son, who was a veteran of the yeah. Afghanistan. So I think there's a lot of personal notes going on for Biden here. Some unfinished business for him. And mm. he will see um, Biden, um, Putin's role as head of state, you know, who, yeah. you know, uh, and obviously Trump didn't recognize any of these because obviously there was something deeper to their relationship. Yeah. So, Ooh. yeah. Uh, what, yeah. What, what, I, I don't know how deep we're going there with, with uh, Trump's relationship with uh, with Putin, Adam, but I suppose we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. But we haven't um, got a clue because at the end of the day, Trump is a billionaire. And he's a <laughs> yes, bit. he is. So, yes, he is. Money That's, speaks volumes. So. It does, it does. And on a lasting note, and a very lasting note, because Adam's very tired and I'm aware there's a football game coming up that I'd like to watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we have, we do have a, a funny story-ish to finish. I mean, uh, make, make of this what you will. I don't think it's quite as good as the wedding one. That was quite amusing. Um, that was good. That was good. That was two episodes ago. We didn't even get to one last week. But this is, this is uh, interesting. It's uh, a mum, uh, this was... Oh, it was only yesterday, actually. It's from Daily Mirror's Weird News Stories. Other news stories uh, and outlets are available. Um, mum, ra- mum praised for dinner she makes her daughter when she can't be bothered to cook. Woman took to Facebook to share a simple dinner she cooks her little girl when she's not in the mood to make a slap-up meal. And other parents love it just as much as her daughter does. For anyone who's not in the UK, the Daily Mirror is a tabloid. In case you hadn't realised, this is the kind of news story that sometimes goes on in tabloids. Um, <laughs> I think uh, it... Just for just for um, some clarification, I'm going to show Adam the dish now. I mean, that's uh, oh, for crying out loud! That's not good, is it? I mean, um, it's not right. So it's a hot dog. Yeah. We have the same hot dogs as you do in the states. Out of a tin, out of a jar. You know, been sitting yeah. in brine for uh, three years. <laughs> it's one of them with what looks like butchered pasta with no sauce. Yeah, I mean that. My dishes put that to shame. And my dishes don't put any dishes to shame, but that's that's. Um... Well, that's because you buy from takeaways. That's why. No, I don't. Sometimes I do. I was very ill at university. Adam, I couldn't always cook for myself. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a cut-up frankfurter into thirds, and it's some um, pasta without sauce. It's it's quite grim. But Facebook loved it. Apparently, um, oh, you know, it how says could any child love that. No, I didn't say the child did. I don't see the child. That's, that that is an insult to culinary. Yeah. Art, that is. Anyway, many praise the lady for sharing the relatable sharing the relatable meal, as a number of people agreed that pasta was the perfect choice for both fussy kids and for days when you don't have a lot of time on your hands. Yeah, I mean, I'm pasta sorry, is. I do no, not. But, yeah, pasta as a as a food. Yeah, is easy to cook, and all you yeah. have to do is add a sauce to it, and you've got a nice little substantial meal. But that's just. Dry pasta and a boiled pot. Dog. That's bad. I bet she did it all in the one pan as well. Yeah, but does it surprise you? Of all the social medias, not not dissing anyone that uses Facebook, but I know on my Facebook news feed. I think of all the social medias, it'd definitely be those, but that would give it a, a round of applause. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I I, I felt I, I, honestly, I'm even inclined to call that even slightly poor parenting. My mum and dad always had time to cook a substantial meal for me, regardless of how busy they were. I'm sorry, I'm not on board with this one hot dog. No, it's oh, oh, okay. It's worth noting that one of the people who's agreed with this uh, told the Sun. The Sun is a newspaper that has a, shall we say, um, polarizing um, audience in the UK. Um, Some like it for its simplicity, others despise it because they think it's full of lies and deceit. But uh, I won't say which side of the fence that me and Adam fall on. Can judge for yourselves. Uh, But later, one one mother told the Sun. My two-year-old will eat this every day if I let him. <laughs> Adam's face has gone to um, gone to shame. I think another added. Have you given as... your two-year-old a vegetable yet? Is my yeah. question. Yeah, another added. As long as your daughter goes to bed with a full stomach, knowing you love her, there are no issues here. <laughs> oh, it's there not is good. You're not getting your five a day and your vitamins. I'm sorry, but I'm not on board with this. You're not this, on board. This, there's plenty of nutritious ready meals all kinds you can buy rustlers no no johnny I'm not <laughs> advice here. no i'm only messy it's an odd one that because yeah 
it did look terrible. If you want to look at more funny news stories like that, go to the Daily Mirror uh, or Facebook, apparently. Facebook do those, and, and lots of people agree with it. I, I, it didn't look good to me. Adam was cringing, uh, but that was uh, that was our slightly outrageous news story, I think. Poor child. with uh, Outrageous. That, that's just an insult to cookery, that is. Yeah, Frankfurt into thirds. Normal pasta, and yeah, that's that, that. That's how we're ending. I suppose it felt a bit more appropriate to throw something in there than, than last week. Of course, last week it was quite dour. This week started quite in a, in in a, in a downward place. But uh, again, it's not been too uplifting this week. But um, but yeah, hopefully we, we, we've covered enough there and uh, and given a bit of uh, insight into into UK things, US things, and 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 what not to do in the kitchen. Um, yeah. So from myself and Adam, I think that's a, it's a shalom, shalom from us to quote shalom Friday night us. dinner, Friday yeah. night dinner, other comedy Wednesday series night. are available. Yeah. It, Wednesday night filmed actually, it should go up on Friday or Saturday, probably Friday. Uh, but, uh, but you know, we'll just have to see where that, uh, where that wonderful editor puts it, that wonderful editor being me. And uh, uh, yeah. I'm hungry, Johnny. So I'm just going to go and make myself a Frankfurt and some dry pastel. That's what I'm doing tonight. Fantastic. You know, that life in the Adam household, it doesn't get much more vivid than this, particularly while everything is locked down outside still. So take care, stay safe, and thanks for listening, everyone. Take care.